Poetic Properties is a complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, Father, Author, and Entrepreneur. Uh, Welcome to episode 95, which is titled Stage 5. Excuse me. Um, Today we're going to discuss uh, how similar the the degrees of or the stages of depression are to the stages of grief and how it's important to be present and understand what's happening um, inside of you so that you can better defend yourself um, from yourself and from others, right? Um, This week was a testament of strength for me, like, so many things was was happening good bad and different like it it just was it was like a rapid speed of just every emotion possible um anger hurt happiness peace love confusion like it was just it was it was everywhere and for me um i noticed that i go into <clears throat> Excuse me. I notice I go into an internal panic. And my goal is to not do that. Uh, and what I mean by panic, it it like my mind immediately starts racing about whatever situation, whatever thing. Um it like the anxiety goes in overtime and with everything, like I, it, it was so much going on that I didn't have time to figure out what was going on. It's, it's, it's almost like a, um, like a beginner skydiver, uh, like a beginner skydiver, jump out of plane, they shoot, get tangled. Yeah. They, they've been through that on paper. They've been through that, um, watching they've been through that being instructed this is what you do when you're in this situation but up until the point their shoot tangles they don't know how they're going to respond they don't know what's going to go through their mind and i can only imagine falling thirty thousand feet you know from the sky and you experience turbulence you experience confusion you experience chaos but there's nothing between you but space and opportunity, and there's nothing between that but life and death. So you have to figure it out. And that's how I feel in regards to my mental state. Like when things are happening in real time and I can't, I, like, I don't have the luxury of not knowing what to do. I have to get out of said situation best I can. The problem with that is the aftermath. Because you think you're making the right decision in the moment. Because you're on your fight or flight. And then when everything settles, it could have been the wrong decision. It could have been a right decision, but at the wrong time. So this week as I'm going through and I'm dealing with um, stuff in my professional. um, And when I say professional, I mean the nine to five stuff. Um, Everybody knows like 
that high school mean girls, high school cliques, high school um, hearsay, all, like everybody knows, especially people who work in, in office jobs, it never stops. And I can deal with people at my level being like that, but people in leadership and, and that are like really responsible for everything, right? I can't deal with that. And that's what's happening right now in my current position. Um, and it's just dumb. It, it it really is. It really is. Like, it's just dumb. But even in the midst of that, I, I received an opportunity. I received an opportunity for a new position. Right? And the and it's crazy because I wasn't even expecting it. Like I had just already, I had already made up in my mind that, you know, at a certain point that I'm I'm leaving, like, like period. Like I don't want to be in this department. Um, preferably I don't even want to be in healthcare no more. Um, but if I can get back to the root of why I even got into this healthcare coding and billing and stuff, like it wasn't to be a collector, it was actually to to learn um more about the human body through coding. Right. When people when people come in, whatever, you know, and I got to read the file, read the chart and I have to, you know, get the codes. So I'm, you know. I was learning so much about the human body when I was previously doing that. And so I've always wanted to um, get back to that side of things. But mentally, like I was telling my brother, mentally. I was stuck. Like the reality of it is because you hear so many people, oh, I went to college and I can't get a job in my field or I went to college and I got a job, but the pay is so trash that, you know, it's not even making sense. And then we have things going on right now, you know, in the country, um, people arguing over if uh, student debt or student loan debt should be forgiven or completely wiped out or whatever the case is. Right. So in my mind, I went to a trade school a vocational school to learn this specific thing. And I'm like, I don't know how to do anything else. So I'm just stuck. I'm I'm letting them uh, have basically full control over me. They can, they can schedule me when they want to schedule me. Like one, at, at one point there was a two to three year period that I was working Six in the morning to six in the evening, Monday through Friday, six in the morning to 12 or sometimes six in the morning to two. And I didn't see nothing wrong with that. And I'm talking straight like no, like at one point I had like. I was at work so much that they was about to write me up because I had too much PTO. I wasn't rebellious in, in like trying to go against anything, but I work from home. So the idea of PTO for me is to get away from y'all. If I work from home, I don't feel right saying, all right, like I, when I have to drive, an hour, hour and 15 minutes, I'm going to be strong with the PTO because I don't want to drive every day. I don't want to drive that hour there, sit in traffic. It's two hours back. I don't want to do that. 
But if I work from home, my mind says, bro, like, especially when I'm like trying to are, are taking off solely to, to chill. This is before I even started the business. But I would I would take time off or I would take a day off and I'm like, nah, this is dumb because I would just sit and watch TV. I had no I had no aspirations to do anything else. Um, I was just that stressed and that 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 locked in um, to I was that locked in into just being an employee. Right. I switched days on my recording and my brother's calling me. Give me one second. Um, but I had no aspiration. So I was just like driving that hour, you know, getting up. Um, and, and around this time I was on the bus too. So I'm getting up, I'm getting up at four. You see what I'm saying? To make sure I'm getting to work on time and, you know, going through the Metro, a bum attacked me. Like it, it was so much going on when I was actually physically going, physically going to work. But when I sit down at home and it's like, all right, you work from home, office at home and everything. And I'm in the next room laying down. I'm in the next room, you know, watching TV, chilling. It's like, dang, I could be making money right now. Again, I didn't have the business at this time. It was it's just me being a parent, being employee, whatever. So I'm like, I'm not taking off like because I'm not doing anything and I don't want to just sit when I could be making money. And that's a fear response. That's a slave response. That is a response given to you from a generation that had no other aspirations but to work. And I'm saying that loosely, so don't nobody get on here and attack. Well, attack me if you want to. That might create the interaction that y'all that y'all look for in life. As I start doing that, and I'm going through it, and then like the second around the second year, I notice that people start complaining. They switch my schedule around. He's working too much overtime, but they're offering unlimited overtime. Everything they're asking me to do, I'm doing. And then I woke up. I woke up because I'm giving you all of me. My scheduling, my ideas of how to fix things inside the company, how to make things move faster and do all of that. And the pay is like every other corporate America. It doesn't fit cost of living. I'm working overtime to make up for what you're not paying me cost of living. I started to realize all the time that I was missing out on my kids. And when my kids had events, how I would make up the time. When my kid had, you know, assemblies at school, when my kids had, um, you know, uh, dads and donuts or whatever, whatever the case is, I was making up that time. I was putting in this effort to to do what I had to do to be a helper, to be this. I'm, I'm, I'm not void of error. But that's what's brought up more than the 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 success. It's almost like 
they want you to stay in this mentality that you're doing good, but you're not doing that good. When in reality, you could be doing excellent. You can meet every single metric that somebody sets for you and they still could say, all right, we'll do this now. And when you're in that mind state of fear, when you're in that mind state of I have to have this particular job, I don't know um, how to do anything else. And that just goes to that. That also goes to um, what we watched on TV, um, how we saw people in our community and stuff like that. It's not always something that your parents did wrong. It's not always something that somebody in your family did wrong, led you wrong or, or what have you. But when you're coming up and you see people in your family and they're like, oh, I've been doing this for 20, 25 years. I've been doing this for 30 years or I've been doing this for 10 years, 12 years. When you see that as a as a young person in your mind, you're already set up to be like, all right, I want to get a job that I can have long. That's what it was. They used to teach us that in school. You want to get somewhere that, to, uh, that you have longevity. But they don't tell you the the in uh, the parts of the longevity. There's going to be ups and downs and pivots and divots and twists and turns. They don't tell you that. They just tell you you want to find somewhere um, that you can be of service and longevity. Now that I'm, you know, touching 40, I need to be somewhere with longevity, but I need to be somewhere fair. I need to be somewhere that I am utilized because if I'm just a number in your bucket, I don't belong there. This is without a business. This is without me doing poetry. This is, this is me without no passion. I don't belong there. There's no growth. There's no root. There is no room for promotion. There is no there. Like your raises are not good. Again, I'm talking across the board. It's a lot of people that I know in corporate America that if they're not at exec level. If they're not at exec level, they have the same exact complaints as me. Overworked, underpaid. That's the story of the nation. Like nowhere has like like if I work a full month, right? If I work a full month straight, no days off, every day, every minute, every second that I'm scheduled, right? That should be able to pay at least my living situation and food, or not food, utilities. That should at the least it should cover that. And for a lot of people, it doesn't. And I'm talking people who are living regular lives. I'm talking about people with no kids, people with one kid. I got hella kids, so I don't be complaining. I just get to it because it's not going to work. I can't just sit down somewhere. I I just can't. I I, I have too many kids. I got child support. I got a a teenager who want a car, another teenager who's like already said, when I turn 16, I'm on a car. Him being 16 is next September. So it's so much stuff that has to happen between now and then. But even without that, somebody should be able to, somebody without any kids should be able to feel comfortable working their uh, 40 hours a week and knowing that the necessities are done, taken care of. I like I'm pushing it, but I'll figure out how to have fun. I'll figure out how to uh, uh, pay for my vices. I'll figure out all that type of stuff on my own. 
but I should at least be able to work here if I'm if I'm employed and that be taken care of. See, the overtime in my mind, the overtime is for the fun. The overtime is for the eating out. The overtime is for the vacations. The overtime is for that. But my regular job, I should be able to, no matter what, feel comfortable that I always have a place over my head. And they, that's how they get you locked in. And so being that that's how, how my mind was set, it took, it took tragedy for me to break that, that mirror around me and really see things for what they were. And me working from six to six, Monday through Friday, six to 12 or six to two on Saturdays for two years straight was asinine. Nothing to show for it. Literally that is, that covered the cost of living for those two years, no extras for real. I was using, you know, to read the tax refund, um, the tax refund, and saving it throughout the year to have for them to have fun and and get clothes and stuff like that. And it's like, why? Why am I doing that? Why am I giving these people all of my time? I'm not comfortable here. Um, they're messing with my mental. They eventually start it which turned into it messing with my physical, which is the real reason why I work from home. People think I work from home because of COVID and everything. No, I've been working from home for years due to the stress of the job. And still my mind didn't say, hey, get out of here. It did say longevity. Everybody's going through this on their job. Everybody got to deal with this type of person and that type of person, this, that, and the other. And so as I'm going through it, as I'm going through it in real time, I saw no problem with it. I kept telling myself, you got to do what you got to do, because that's how I was raised. You got to figure it out. Like you like, unfortunately, my family is not a family of wealth financially. My dad's side of the family is is very rich in love, very rich um, in coaching, right? I think if I'm not mistaken, all of all but two. No, I think Uncle Ronnie did coach at some point. Um, all but one of my uncles were either baseball or football coaches. All of my aunts. Besides one dealt with either cheerleading or was married to one of the coaches. <laughs> like, we come from that. We don't come from, uh, hey, Unc, let me hold a million. Hey, Unc, let me hold 10,000. Hey, Unc, look at this. Hey, Auntie, look, I got this business plan and it's really good. Can you look at it? Can you, can you invest? We don't come from that, right? So in my mind, what I'm doing is the right thing. In my mind, I'm doing what I have to do to make sure that we all, we all survive. I faced an immense level of, of tragedy, and I was like, hold the fuck up. This ain't it. it, it it's not it. 
at all because I'm losing, I'm losing me. I'm losing days off of my life by giving these people all this time with little give back. Even right now, they'll force you to the max, do this, switch to this, switch to that, get this done, get that done, do this. And you feel stuck. And it didn't click in my mind. I had a conversation with my brother. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, you know that there is more to this, right? And, and if I'm being honest, in real time, no. No, it's nothing better. I'm here. I don't have to go through a. Um, I don't have to go through any more background checks. I don't have to. I don't have to guess if you're going to hire me. I don't have to worry about if I bombed an interview or not. In 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 reality, it's nothing better than this. Well, in in real time, it's nothing better than this. But the reality of it is, I've been doing community work myself, by myself, not realizing I'm doing community work by myself. Like in this in 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 where I'm at, right? I've been mentoring for years. I just don't call it mentors. I just say the homie hit me up. Or one of the youngins hit me up. I've been doing that for years. I mean, like, at least 20. I'm not looking at that as community work. I'm, I've been through something. I've, I've, I've had traumatic experiences. I've had experiences that were good. So when people... Uh, come to me, I'm not, my mind doesn't say I am now your mentor. It just says you want to have a, a conversation. And then these conversations turns into weeks and months and years that we've been having these conversations and you are coming to me like, Hey, what do you think about this? What is this? What is that? Well, two decades pass and it's hitting me. Like you, you, you have been doing community stuff. You've been doing it. You've been doing everything possible to help your community, to help the youth. I donate stuff pretty much year round. Kids clothes, my clothes, anything. Like I like community. I'm present in, in all the school events. I'm present in, in whenever the, the school call and, and, and they need whatever. I'm present. Community. I kept telling myself, I'm just being a parent. I'm just I'm just having these conversations with people because I would want if 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 my kids felt that they needed to call someone outside of the household, a lot of times we do. I would want someone to be there for my kids. Like, and I'm talking outside of my brother, outside of um their uncle Brandon. I'm talking like if they have to legit go to the neighbor, legit go to uh, one of the parents on their basketball team, one of the friends that they game with, if they have to go to one of their parents because they feel like I'm not giving them the best advice for a situation. I want them to feel comfortable enough to speak to someone, but I would want that adult or or or. I would want that adult to genuinely listen and want to help. So I do that. But I never thought about it as anything other than 
I just want to I want to give what I would want my kids to have. I want to give what I feel like people should have. Like nobody should uh, uh, sh- nobody should feel like they can't call or can't get advice or can't ha- get mentorship um, from people in that position. It shouldn't be an elitist thing to where, all right, I'm not mentoring you because you don't have. I'm not mentoring you because you don't do. And it took tragedy for me to open up my mind um, in general, but it took my brother to tell me, uh, or it took a situation to happen to where I felt at my end, like I was I was throwing up. I was so sick to my stomach crying. Like I was frustrated um, about some dishonesty and some disrespect. And I'm talking to my brother and he's like, Peanut, you don't got to be there, bro. It's other jobs. It's, it's things that line up with what you've been doing, what, what you're trying to accomplish with your business. And in that moment, I'm like, bro, you're right. Like, because if I'm being real, I've paid, I've paid, I've paid back or I've gotten paid back at this point, probably 10 times over for what I paid for that, that training. I think it was it was either 12 or 18 months. I've made back 10, 11, 12 times over what I paid for that school. So I could go if the price was the same, I could have went back to that school 12 times by now. Right. Mentally. I should be freed of that idea that I paid for school and didn't do what I went to school for. But the idea of longevity has taken over and I'm like, all right, next year, it'll be 10 years at this particular company. And then I'm like, but is it something to celebrate? You got a whole business inside of you. You have a whole movement inside of you. and You've given these people all of your time, not really paying attention to what's what. And so I got to start untangling my, my shoot. I have to. I, I, I'm scared. I'm confused. It's chaos. It's, it's, it's air blowing everywhere. It's so many distractions coming my way. But I have to untangle my shoot. Because, again, it's nothing in between me and, and, un, and untangling this shoot. But air and opportunity that lies in life or death. I know that's extreme, but that's how I look at life. If I don't do what I'm supposed to, my kids don't eat, we don't have nowhere to live, boom, we're done. If I do what I'm supposed to do, we're good. Because I'm going through what I'm going through, it makes it more important for me to start to understand the greatness that is is waiting for me to achieve, I say all the time, the journey is what it's meant to be. But now I'm realizing, yes, yeah, what it's meant to be. But are you seeing? Are you seeing the things that you're passing? Are you missing your? Are missing your your exits that you're supposed to hit to get to the next level and re-enter your path? Or are you so focused on how to be 
are what to be that you're not like you're 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 having them blinders and you don't even see these things. We talked about last week or the week before about how the tree is the main road and the branches are the um, the successes and failures that you go through. But no matter what, it always leads back to the to the main road. And then there's a branch above it and a branch above it and a branch above it. And then it creates this entire crown of a tree. But we got to be able to see those exits. We got to be able to to know when it's time to dip out and dip in. I'm reminded I got kids, so it, it is what it is. I'm reminded on Finding Nemo, uh, the conversation with um, the tortoise and his son. And he they were just talking about how, you know, the current flows, yada, yada, whatever. I don't know verbatim. I just, this part just always stuck with me. And the little guy, he fell out of the current. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Nemo was was a bit shaken, a bit. He was a bit panicky, and the, the older tortoise was like, "Bruh, chill. It's all a matter of time." <laughs> like, and then the the baby uh, fell back into the current. And it always stuck to me that no matter what, even in your dangerous situations, there have to be a sense of calm that says. I did what I was supposed to do. I know I could figure this out. And you'll fall back into your current. And it always stuck with me, like, ever since I seen it years ago. And I'm like, I'm looking at it with the kids and like, they, they don't, to them, it was just a funny part. They kids, they don't understand. But now me at 40, I'm like, yo, that's how life is. You be going straight and everything be cool. And then a bump come, you get knocked completely out your current. And a lot of us panic and we get lost and we lose that flow. We don't know how to get back to that because of ego, because of, uh, upbringing because of aggression because I got to be right I can't be wrong they gonna look at me a certain way now we're lost and we're so far from the current that we're supposed to be on because we're not focused on the right things and I'm learning that on my journey um with depression with anxiety that I was worried about all the wrong things fuck that job because if I let them kill me I can't I'm gonna be great anywhere else if I let them stress me so much that it's affecting my my the way I parent, the, the way that I react to people in general, right? I'm already fighting too much stuff with dealing with the death of my daughter. I'm dealing with the loss of not being able to see my older daughter, dealing with my kids, new attitudes and, and, and things. I'm, I already have too much going on. Everywhere around me, I'm dealing with slime balls, disrespectful people. I have to find a way out of that instead of getting uh, uh, losing track of what's really going on. That's one thing that I hate about depression is that it affects your memory. And like when I say like bad day to day memory. Like I'll walk downstairs and uh, like and not even know why I came downstairs. I'll be saying something and I'll just stop talking because it's like. the The point is lost. And so it's difficult, like, like I keep saying, it's difficult for me to have conversations because people think that I'm either rude or dumb. And it's like, I wish you understood how I'm trying to have a very intellectual conversation with you, but the words keep leaving my head before I get to, before I get to them in the sentence. 
it's always, it's, I said last week, it's bigger than that. The thing that I, like, I think is that right there. It's always something different. It's always something different. I'm always, like, feeling like, hey, I, uh, I, I don't want to talk. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Like, I went, I, I went to support my nephew last night at his uh, swimming event. And when we got there initially, um, I didn't see my boy. So I texted him, like, yo, we here. And then me and Twin, because we've been into it for a couple of weeks, but I wasn't going to not take him up there to see his cousin uh, swim. So we're standing right there, and he look at me, I look at him. I'm like, all right, we about to walk over here and see if we can see them so we can hurry up and sit down. And he's like, where? And I'm like, right here in, in front of the bleachers. So he's like, nah, can we stay right here and just wait? And I'm like, yeah, because I'm the same anxiety he's feeling is 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 what I'm feeling. And I'm like, yo, y'all got to y'all got to come with me because my like the way my panic attacks are set up, like y'all got to come with me. And he's like, nah. But then I'm like, no, I'm. I'm the father. I have to show I see my son has an equal level of panic as me, equal level of uncomfortability, like being in front of people, being around people as me. Now I got to fix it because he's too young. He's 15. I can't allow him to be set in his ways at 15 and not try to encourage him, not try to be an example. So I, I walked. Difficult. We found a place to sit at. My boy finally get there and he's talking to me, you know, um, He's, he asked me about uh, going to another event. And I was like, whew. I said, this is my test right here to see if I can handle being around a bunch of people. And it went, it went okay. I, I didn't freak out like outwardly. Um, there was a few moments that I had where it was like it was creeping up. But, you know, we was all um, conversating. So I was like, I was distracted more by us having conversation and actual watching the swim meet than I was about the downtime. But it was difficult. But I have to be able to tell someone how to get through it when it's time. Because somebody's going to, somebody's going to bring it up. Somebody's going to wonder, well, how did you do that? Why did you do that? I did that because some, my kids are watching. I did that because the kids and, and, and people that depend on me to be in my right mind and to, to be able to mentor when called upon, be able to do what I'm supposed to do, what I say that I'm doing, I got to do it for them. But more importantly, I got to do it for me. Who do I want to be? I can't keep, I, I, I can't let depression, anxiety, confusion, I can't let those things run my life. I got to be able to stand up toe to toe, you know, round for round, win or lose. I got to fight. And this week was that this week was a was like I went from being disrespected last week and like ready to quit and um, issues, you know, financial issues going on. Um, 
within my household and, and things needing to be fixed and this needed to be done. And uh, uh, I'm frustrated because the books are delayed and now I don't want the, I don't want my my uh, supporters to feel like I'm scamming them like they're not going to get their books. Then boom, books come in, I send those out, job opportunity come in, have that situated, financial situation handled all in a matter of two weeks. And my mind was racing and running and ripping and I like sleep was was messing with me, headaches, stomach aches, like throwing up sleepless nights even more and stuff like that. And then I untangled my shoot. The reality is. For 39 years. And 11 months. Every time that I said, I don't know what I'm going to do to figure this out. Every time I was like, yeah, well, this is it. Every time I was like, nah, I'm not okay. What did Antoine Fisher say? I'm still standing. I'm still strong. I'm still here. At some point, I got to figure that out because that's a me thing. Why, why, why on earth do I think I'm not going to make it? Why on earth do I think that I'm not going to figure it out for, for myself and, and my kids? Me, I'm 40. I'm here. And I'm not saying I can't be gone tomorrow, but what I'm saying is in my right mind, there is no way panic should even be a thing because every single time a hardship has come, yeah, it has stretched out. Yeah, it has pushed it to the max. Yeah, it has put my life in the, uh, uh, the control of my life in other people's hands at times. Yeah. But I'm still here. In words to G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. That's why... I do this. That's why I get on here. That's why I talk to my kids how I talk to my kids. That's why um, everything I do now is purpose driven. From the time I get up and go work for these people to the time I get off to take my notes for the pod, Hill Avenue, uh, think about what poem I'm gonna do for recite night. Think about a design that I'm that I'm gonna do for uh, the apparel, peacefully flawed. Like everything is purpose driven. Like our brains are the key to everything, and we need to be our best selves. Whether we have the brain we were born with or operating the brain trauma gave us, it goes back to um, our episode last week when I said it's bigger than that. The things we uh, think are manageable. Like up front, they may be, but behind the scenes is doing way more damage. Way more damage. I am in the, uh, thanks to like my brother and then um, DW. These are my main two educational influences um, right now and have been for the, you know, the past. For my, well, my brother my entire life, but DW passed maybe three, four years. They do not let up on studying. Neither of them. My brother, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he reads a book or two a week. Like he just like reading is his thing. 
um, in general. And I'm talking books of all genres and stuff like that. Uh, he studies things of, of, of any, he studies a lot. DW, the same. DW will, will figure something out. Um, and then he'll send an article like, yo, y'all need to read this or whatever. Or people who, who he care about, he's like, yo, you know, read this or whatever. It's stuff that, you know, I have no clue about the business. I have no clue about this or that. Um, and he'll send me an article. Hey, bro, uh, look at this. Right. Like we like you got to You got to figure out how to do this, you know, for the business, because this is this is something that I see is going to change. Like he told me something three, four months ago. And because I'm me, I'm doing it little by little. Right. Like I got to like I got to get comfortable with it. He again, he is a he is a uh, veteran. So his mind his mind is right now, period. Right. And I'm trying to get there in life because my brother's like that, too. Um, and I'm trying to get there in life to where I'm able to trust the process in, you know, in real time. In doing that with my brother and him, like, hey, you know, I'm reading this and reading that or um, or DW, like, hey, read this article, like research this, research that. Matter of fact, the other day, never mind, that's. The other day, I had told DW something in regards to the job opportunity and something that I wasn't even really thinking of. He's like, hey, look at this. And I looked at it, and I was like, fam, it was, it was not in my favor. And if he wouldn't have said looked at that, I would have never looked at it. And it was like, like, yo, that's crazy. But I'm saying all that to say our minds are the most important things that we have. And I look at them, too, and how, you know, they I'm reading this. I'm reading this. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? Like my brother, he like he'll text me certain things like, look at this and tell me what you see or or whatever. And so that's helping me. Because it's forcing me to. It's it's forcing me to break my. Habit of on the job training. And I'm saying job loosely. Everything in my life, I feel like I'll learn if I do it. And that's the because I live with this homeless mind state because I was couch hopping for so long, not having my own for so long, not having a car for so long, getting on a metro, um, the metro train, a metro bus like for so long. Like it's difficult to break out of that mentality of I got it like I got to do a moving. I don't have the time for like my preparation is is right now. Like I don't have time to prepare then go. I got to like when they when that gun pop off, I got to start running. And they are showing me and my mind is accepting slowly that no, you have some time. Like research a little bit. Don't just go into it because my mind goes, "All right, I may not know it fully, but I'm going to go into it that way. If it ends, I'm going to have the gems that I need from it and I'll just keep moving on. And that keeps me in chaos. So when they're telling me, read this, look at this, look at that, my mind is like, bro, I don't have time for that. Like y'all have the luxury of peace. Y'all have the luxury of time. I say all the time, I'm not jealous of people with Money with nice cars, with mansions that they take vacations. I'm not jealous of that. My thing that gets under my skin the 
most is people who have time. And I'm saying that loosely because I love DW and my brother. But I look at people with time. It's never like like people say money can't money doesn't give you happiness or whatever. Money does because money gives you time. And with time, you get to do the things that you want to do with your life. You're not dependent on what somebody else says. You're not dependent on somebody else's schedule unless you have kids. And even then, y'all could work out something to where y'all be on the same type of time. But our brains is, is, is very important in knowing that I started to research, right? I started to look up certain things and I really, un, I, I don't want I was about to say understand. I was about to be a lie. What I learned in dealing with what I dealt with this week and just trying to untangle my shoot, I learned that this healing process where I thought was just the chemical imbalance, Right. So they, oh, you got to go outside and get sun because the sun, whatever's in the sun makes you happy. Right. All right. You got to look, listen to upbeat music or whatever. You know, you got to take your meds and stuff like that. In my mind, it's a chemical, it's a chemical imbalance and it'll be fixed with these things. Right. I'm like, it's been three years. I didn't see hella sun. I didn't take it. I've taken hella medicine. I've listened to hella upbeat um, things. I changed the 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 uh, podcast setup from all black and red to to yellows and grays and silvers because yellow makes me happy. Yeah, for whatever reason, yellows and golds, they bring a sense of joy to me, right? And I've done all of that for three years, but I am still losing my fucking mind and emotional and gloomy and down. And I know it seems like I come on here to complain about these things, but one thing about me is that I'm going to vent and I'm going to be hurt. And I'm going to be bothered, but I'm going to be researching and figuring out what the hell is going on on the back end because I'm human and my emotions are valid. My emotions are real. And um, growing up in an era and for whatever reason, the women that I that I've chosen to become long term with, they weren't as emotionally. How can I say this? They wasn't what me being emotional and having emotions that I would having emotions that I would express. And so that's from I was born in 1982. So, you know, what was going on then it wasn't it, it, you couldn't be emotional. My last adult relationship that I was in, I think. Um, ended in 15, 2000. 2015 or 16. So from birth all the way up until then, emotions was was controlled by other people. The way I delivered emotions was controlled by other people, not because anything other than I'm like, all right, well, whatever. I want to be in this relationship, so I'm not going I'm not going to keep saying my emotions. But then I woke up and I'm just like, no. The fuck is going on here? Right? And I'm not like this is not to 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 blame anybody or anything. 
It's just to say the choices that I that that I made. I told you accountability. I don't care what they did. What I did, and what I what they did does matter. But the fact that I knew that they were doing it, it doesn't matter where my mind was. I knew how you were treating me was not how I wanted to be treated. But I profess love to you, and if I leave you now, the love is void because I gotta it's life or death. I gotta be with you. Because I said I loved you out loud. So now, like, whatever we're going through behind closed doors. Like, I'm always the person that I, I'm behind doors getting beat up. I'm behind doors getting talked to crazy. I'm behind doors. All these things happening behind door, closed doors. And then I, I can affront. I'm like, oh, I love you so much, yada, yada, whatever. So people, like, like thinking it's good. And then when, when all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're not together no more. It's like, wait, what? Because for me, my loyalty... Uh, my loyalty lies in keeping your secrets. And keeping your secrets mean I, I like for me, it's like I, I, I don't want to do you like that. I don't want to to put valid dirt on your name because I love you. And it's like, that's wrong. I'm the fucking prize. We're going to treat each other with respect. We're going to do that, but it it comes to where you're at in your mind. And so, like, your mind will have you doing things, acting totally different that your heart don't even align with. You know that that's not who you are, but you don't have no way out. And so each time I I remember in my relationships, each time when I was like, when, when, when I was able to snap out of being in love and just really seeing things for what they really are. And then having hindsight and seeing things that like adding uh, timelines together, it's like, yo, I did that to me. I did that because I saw it and I was like, oh, we have kids together. We have to figure this out. And I saw it and I felt it and I'm like, oh, we have a kid together. Got to figure this out. I learned, and I'm talking, I'm talking in the past two to three weeks, that this healing process is threefold. I'm worried about the chemical imbalance of my brain. I am not thinking about what this has transferred to to my health. I'm not realizing what this has transferred to to my character and who I want to be. So I'm researching. And I, I I come across I come across these two articles, one from uh, Harvard, one from Yale, and they were talking about the five stages of depression. In this research, I found that, or in reading this article, not my research, in reading articles of of these two uh, Ivy League schools. I learned that it's not just a chemical imbalance. Your brain actually transforms into something else. That's why I said at the beginning, you know, whether you operate on your regular brain or the brain that trauma gave you. Because after reading these articles, I'm like, it makes sense now. It makes sense that there is a point, because you guys know how I always say, I'm not at the point where suicide is an option. I am at the point where 
my responses to violence, my responses to confrontation, my responses to uncomfortability are very extreme. My mind takes me to a place because I feel like, um, and maybe one of y'all can help me rationalize this, like in the midst of turmoil and chaos, and this is, this is directly for people who are struggling with some type of mental, uh, mental issue, right? When dealing with these confrontations, when dealing with uncomfortability with people, um, even dealing with confrontation of my teenagers, right? My mind goes to the most extreme response because I feel like you're attacking me because you know I'm mentally off right now. Like my mind goes there. So it immediately says, I like I have to live and you have to die. If there's a confrontation, not to my kids, but I'm like to, to other to other people. So when people are trying to create conflict with me and people are trying to disrespect me or people are, like my mind is like, you're trying to kill me. And I'm saying that like in its literal form, when people create confrontation with me, that's where my mind goes. So I immediately start looking how you're moving. I'm looking like where your hands are. I'm mentally prepared that either we're both about to die or, or you are. It doesn't have a, like, it doesn't have the, the, the part of the mind that says, this is a confrontation. Use words. Once I get to a certain feeling, like, it, like once I get to a feeling that it could even possibly be a threat, my mind immediately goes, it's me or you. I'm not saying that's the right thought to have. I'm also not saying that's the wrong thought to have. But I'm just letting you know that be the thoughts that I have. And it's the biggest reason why I don't put myself in situations to be confrontational. I tell you all all the time, I'm not I'm, I'm not known for knocking people out. I'm not known. I'm not even known for being a fighter. But just know that, like, you're going to have to beat me up 10 times. Because I'm going to spin the block. And each time I'm, I'm trying to end it. Because that's just how my mind works. Because I can't walk around fearing nobody. And what I mean by fear is, is uh, I mean like a fear, like I can't do anything around this person or in this person's vicinity because I'm scared. I can't live like that. I might lose a fight, but you're going to respect me. And in turn, I might lose a fight, but you gon' you gonna gain my respect if you if you beat my head in. But in reading these articles, again, it's threefold, mind, body, soul. Mind, body, soul. So they're breaking down these these um this fly is getting on my nerves. They're breaking down the five stages. And like anything. I've been saying this even without ha having read the article. Denial is the first one. It's like, I've been in denial, feeling like there's no way this is happening to me. I've always been resilient, willing to go the extra mile to prove to myself I was strong. But this is stronger than me and it's scary. And I'm sitting here thinking, but I'm me. 
we have that thought that these things can't happen. If you ask me, uh, like I was laughing with my boy yesterday, I'm like, if you would have gave me 10 chances to guess how our parenthood would be going, it would, I would not ever guess that you would be a swim dad, right? Because my nephew is a swimmer. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that as a diss to my nephew. I was saying that as we had a swimming team at our high school, we had swim, you know, swim stuff every, everywhere every summer. We could not wrap our mind around being swimmers because we was trying to survive. We didn't have an opportunity to um, think about other sports. Either you play basketball, uh, from where I'm from, either you play basketball, ran track, or played football. All that other stuff wasn't being respected. And we didn't know that as kids. We just knew that we're going to go towards the, the, the similarities. And everybody on the football team had similarities. Everybody on the swim team had similarities. We didn't, we didn't fit. So we did the football, we did the basketball, we did the track, that was it. So again, it's a mental thing. I'm looking at him like, bro, I never would have thought this. Because you're you. Like my best friend, like him, like, I never would have thought it. And the fact that mentally he's opened his mind and we've opened our mind to like, like we don't joke about it or anything. Like, oh, look at him swimming. We play football. Nah, let's go. Let's get to it. Why? Because he has put his son in a different position mentally. His son is not thinking about survival. His son is not thinking about, you know, ducking bullets. His, his son is not thinking about police. Neither, you know, neither are my kids. But because he's able to get his son out of that mentality, he's now opened himself up and opened his, his son up to explore different sports, different activities without feeling the burden of I have to survive. A lot of us have been surviving our entire lives and we're so afraid to break out of survival mode. We're so afraid to set up shop somewhere. We're so afraid to just be a part of anything because we're in survival mode. And I've been in survival mode for I don't know how long. I've been in this property, um, I want to say eight years, seven years maybe. And still, like I've, like I've been secure in this property. But I still have the mentality like, all right, what I'm gonna leave if something happened? Because I'm the I'm I'm the person that I'm not about to stress where I'm about to put everything. I'm not about to stress having another bill, like having to move um, uh, move things to storage. I'm not that person. We'll be leaving. We'll be taking. I left. Uh, uh, I left a whole apartment so much so that they was like, all right, fam, like we we're not fooling with you. I sell it. I don't care. That's just how I am. Because I'm always in survival mode. But I want to be that. 
I want to I want to be able to prepare. I want to be able to uh, put myself and my kids in a position that we not always thinking in defense mode. Like people don't realize that. And, th and this is the reason uh, this is another part of my reason for isolation, because if I'm feeling like I'm defending myself so much, I'm never going to move forward because I'm not I don't have time to think about offense. My mind is so bogged down from protecting my front side uh, and back that I can't even think about what I'm going to do if I make it there. What how like how am I going to uh, get past this situation? If I'm constantly thinking about defending myself, right? So denial, it, denial is the first reason or, or the first stage. And we deny because of fear. We deny because of ego. Like I said, I'm me. How dare my brain give up on me? How dare my brain give up on me? But then you start playing the trauma. Like now that I know that, uh, uh, Depression changes the structure of your brain. And sometimes it puts you in a position that it'll never form, like it'll never be the same again, but you'll never have the depth that you had once depression keeps decreasing, keep reforming your brain. That's crazy to me, but it makes sense because if you look at, especially people, a lot of people, um, in my culture, we grew up with the devil is a lie. Don't don't say that we grew up with. Hey, this happened and everybody like, no, it didn't. We grew up with all these type of traumas and, and none of it. None of it. Being helped in real time, it just com compounded. So not only are we having to deal with the physicalities of not being treated fairly, our brain is changing. We don't even know it. I'm certain the regular person going through through uh, mental health issues. Right. I'm certain the regular person does not know that their brain is restructured. I was blown away. At that idea of. My brain being different than what than than what it was when it was born, and if I'm not mistaken, you know, it's it's both good and bad, right? That form that form your brain. I want to I, I I can't imagine, I can't imagine uh, depression or mental health issues deteriorating your brain, but happy moments and happy traumas not healing it per se. Right. And so I'm, um, I'm reading this article and they're like, yeah, your brain changes, your hippocampus shrinks. Um, and now I'm, bruh, I'm freaking out to the fullest because I know the brain is a muscle and stuff like that. And you have to exercise. I, 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 I get that. But I didn't think that my brain was being affected on a physical on a physical level. I thought it was chemical. So, yeah, getting sun. Yeah. Drinking hella water. Yeah. Uh, um having visually um having colors that create excitement. Yeah. Uh popping a gummy that creates excitement. Yeah, I get it. But I'm me. How do I have this? Why is this attacking me? What what happened in my life so bad that the universe is like, all right, you gotta have depression. 
And you got to have it at the point to where your brain is transforming, but we're going to make you aware of what's going on. Like uh, in every step that you think that you're going to get past of this depression, we're going to make you aware that something else is coming. Why me? Why can't I be like everybody else and be clueless and just be depressed and sit in the dark and not do anything? Why do I have to be the one that wants to figure it out for myself so that I can tell people, hey, your brain is changing. You got to figure that out. Whatever you're doing, stop right now and, and start researching, um, start reading up on your specific diagnosis so you will know what's really going on. I'm telling you, I, I like these were like. My mind was blown. Somebody who has more education than me in, in psychology or the brain or whatever, like they they're probably laughing right now. But in reality, when I read that. I'm like, this probably why I'm not healing like I want to heal, because I keep on Hey, I need the medicine. I need the medicine. I need the medicine. That's it. Yeah, I meditate. Yeah, exercise. But what am I doing for my brain? I downloaded so many brain games like now nah, you're not giving me like that because now you're letting me know that like not only am I fighting you fighting depression, anxiety chemically. Now you change my brain. It's going to be a point to where like I'm going to be different. Nah, fam, we about to get these these matching games going. We about to get these word search games going. Now I understand why older people sit on them daggone newspapers all day and do word searches. They try not to go crazy. When you little, you look at that like, man, why are you always doing that? Like, that puzzle is dumb. Like, oh, that puzzle was easy or blah, 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 blah. In reality, they like, like, nah, like, you don't understand. And now that I'm older, I get it. I, I now get why they was always on the newspapers doing them crossword, why it was so important to get that 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 newspaper, you know, and and have it just in general. Where the newspaper at? You got the one from yesterday. Like. Because they try not to lose their mind. And so I've been in denial, like, nah, I'm still I'm complex. The poet, father, author and entrepreneur is not getting me like this. And it got me. And I'm letting you guys know now that a lot of us, we know that something's wrong. We just don't know what. I, I want to encourage you to go figure it out. Fellas, go to the doctor. Go. I'm telling you, go. If nothing else... But to get a diagnosis so that you can research the thing that is coming against you and that you can research the right person to help you. One of my biggest things is um, therapy, but also one of my biggest things is find the correct therapist. Like, I don't want to coach you into my struggles, uh, into uh, my trials and my tribulations. I need you to have a starting point of understanding of where I'm at. And so for me, like I'm not against I'm not against any gender or any race of therapists. I've learned though in the three, four, five therapists that I have, it's imperative to get someone of any race that has the same type of upbringing as you. I can't go to a therapist of any race 
that was born rich. I can't. Because you don't you don't understand. You don't understand the starting point of this. Right? I can't I like if you if you if you've never been in situations where your life has been I can't I can't I can't do it until I started for real, for real understanding, because it's not the first time I did research. This is the first time that I was like specifically, hey, how does depression affect the actual brain? Not my moment or not my character, not my emotions, not none of the the non-tangible things. My body is being affected. How? And I found it. So now for me, the goal is figuring out how to slow down the shrinkage and the transformation of my brain. In order to do that, in order to, to do that, I have to stop denying. I don't care what, what, what no one thinks. I don't care. And, and, and anybody with any type of disability, I want to say this because it's, it's real. You are not less than because you have a disability. It is of no fault of your own that you are the one in your bloodline to have that issue. A lot of stuff is genetics. A lot of stuff is hereditary. A lot of stuff uh, it skips generations. Sometimes it goes straight through every generation. The point that I'm trying to make is it's not your fault. There was nothing that you did to, and I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not talking car accident disabilities. These are born disabilities. Um, these are disabilities that hit you out of nowhere. These are disabilities that are secret amongst, you know, families and stuff like that. It's not your fault. And I know it's hard to feel normal in a world full of dickheads that accuse you of creating your disability, that make fun of you for having a disability. And in reality, it's them that that's the problem. Right. I don't allow nobody to make me feel bad for losing my memory half the time. I don't let nobody make me feel bad for being inside of a conversation and forgetting forgetting words and just being embarrassed within myself. and like, all right, like I'll holler at you later. I'm not embarrassed because of that. I'm not like this, what it is. I have to understand this, this, what comes with the level that I have. And if I keep on saying, nah, it's not this, nah, it's not that. If I keep on saying, yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm this, I'm that. Then I'm never going to get to a proper place of healing because if I'm telling y'all I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. When I get off of here, I'm not going to research nothing because I believe I'm okay. Cause I keep telling y'all that I'm not okay. I'm not embarrassed and I'm not going to let nobody bully me because I have a disability. If I could drink something right now that will realign my chemicals, that will restructure my brain, I would. But there's no such thing. So I have to deal. Apparently, I was born like this. It was it like it just so happened that 
I made it this far before it became a thing. I made it this, I made it to 2019 before it became something that altered my life. So from 1982 to 2019, I was operating fine. Tragedy in 2019 clicked something in my emotions, in my soul. And now, now I can't, I can't shake it. It's been chasing me for years. I've always, how I feel now, I remember feeling like this a lot as a child, but just believing it was sadness. Just believing like that it's, this is how it's supposed to be. We all lived in poverty. We all either, um, we all either came up in single parent households. We all came up with dads that, you know, prefer coaching um, over parenting. We've all like, we, we've all came, came up with some type of tragedy or trauma. And to us, since our neighbor is going through it, it's okay. Since I know my friend gets a whooping too, when I get whooped, it's okay. Everybody getting whoopings. Everybody getting on punishment. Everybody eating noodles and, and, and hot dogs. Cause that's just, that's what it is. Right. But because that's what it is, it doesn't mean that it's not trauma to you. You're a new human being. Your emotions are set up for happiness. So everything that goes wrong, it creates trauma in you. This is why up front, I, when I tell you, I, since my kids could talk, all that baby shit was out of the window. I've been talking to my kids like young men since the day they start talking and being able to understand me. So much so that even now when I like mess with them and I'll be like, ah, like try to tickle them or something like that, just randomly just like messing around with them. They'll look at me like, bro, what, what is you doing? Like we don't we don't do that. Like we 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 high five, chest bump, hug, we do that, but we don't we don't do that. Because their reality is is reality. We laugh at other things, but we don't do the Google God like like I never done that with them. And now I'm realizing I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I've always spoken reality to them. So when things happen now, like they don't even blink. If I'm like, yo, we got to hold off on this, you know, for a couple of days, this, that, and the other, they'd be like, all right, cool. They keep it pushing. Because they understand the reality. They understand inflation. They understand uh, no cost of living. They understand it's four of them, five of them. They understand they're going to get what they're going to get when they're going to get it. They understand it because when I had the opportunity to choose to talk to them as, as babies and Googles and Gagas, I spoke to them. In reality. And I got flack from it. These babies not your friends. You treating them like your friend. Yeah, they are my friends. I'm their first friend, actually. And had my relate had had you understand that, and people in your generation understand that, a lot of relationships would be better. I'm tired of people saying, Oh, I got whooped and I'm fine. I'm not fine. I got my ass whooped. Okay. But when I got older and I start learning about slavery and I start uh, learning about how easily manipulated the mind can be, I, it bothered me. 
Why you couldn't talk to me? And that made me switch how I deal with my kids. And even when even that it took, I think my, my I think the last time anybody got a, a, a whooping like like that was 10 years ago when twin was five or six. No, that is a lie. He was throwing rocks at people. I think it was first or second grade. That was the last time. He's 15 now, so I don't want to do the math on that, but he's 15 now. Because I started realizing, hey, these kids are they like they was they still brand new. They still brand new. It's stuff that they gotta figure out is wrong on their own. Luckily, nobody got hit with the rocks, but now he he understood that throwing rocks is wrong because of what came after. This was going like he was about to get expelled. This was his third citation. He's seven, eight years old. So my mind is like, all right, I got to beat you because I would have got beat for this. But in reality, I could have been like, hey, bro, like, don't don't do that. Because up until that point, nobody said don't throw rocks. In his mind, yeah, I'm throwing rocks. Yes, I see you. I'm not trying to hit you. I'm just throwing rocks. Don't get in my way. I know that a parent, a teacher was like, would, would say no. But if we break it down, I don't know what he's thinking. If he's just if if he's doing what he's doing and and, and as a kid, I don't know what it is. In denial, I can't reach these steps. In denial, I can't alter my way of thinking because I'm being defensive. Healing is one of the most hardest things you you can do because you like in order to heal, you have to open yourself up completely, depending on the level you're trying to heal. For me, I'm trying to heal in general, like overall. Like I don't I don't like I don't want no parts of me not in the healing process. And that goes for romantic love, parental love. Uh, business, um, me as a human being towards myself, my friendships, all of that. I can't, I can't deal if I'm not open enough to to receive what needs to to be received. It's difficult because my mind is 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 dealing with past trauma that I didn't realize was trauma. Like it's so many things. Like I have a memory in my mind, like constantly why I support Pizza Hut over anybody else. And we all know that Pizza Hut ain't it. But I support and I support Pizza Hut because I didn't have a lot of birthday parties when I was a kid. I just didn't. I don't know why. I don't remember it uh, coming up in conversation. I don't remember it being a thing. Me or none of my brothers. I don't remember having birthday parties like that. But one year, my parents threw me a surprise party. And when I tell you, I, rem- I had on some black stonewashed overalls, a white T-shirt, and I had on um, a bomber jacket with the, Sherpa, with the Sherpa collar. I had a little hamburger, flat top, sides gone, buck teeth. And that moment stayed with me. Think I had to be 
eight or nine. But it created a, a, a trauma because I don't remember having any other birthdays. I'm not going to sit here and say that it, 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 it didn't exist, but I don't remember having birthday parties like that. I could be completely wrong. I know my brother listened to the podcast. Um, if I'm bugging, bro, let me know. But I just, I don't remember. And again, I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. What I am saying is that it was the times that we were living in that I don't think a lot of us had birthday parties. We we got acknowledged. But as I start getting older, um, I started realizing just the just the feeling of being separate, uh, uh, celebrated. Just the feeling of like knowing like, all right, these people fuck with me for real. I remember feeling like, like it was, this is how crazy it was. I remember, <laughs> I remember if I'm not mistaken, my little sister's mom being there. I used to love, like, not that I don't love her now, but my little sister's mom was there. So I'm like, oh, y'all, like, y'all doing it. Like, y'all, y'all doing your boy right. You really, like, people who I genuinely loved were there as a kid. And I remember that day. In denial, I can't figure that out. I can't, like, in denial, everything is bad. You whooped me. You said I couldn't do this. You said I couldn't do that. You took this. You did this. In denial, that's all I see. But as I'm opening up, I do see some happy moments. It doesn't take away those bad moments and those bad moments need, I need to heal from. And also I need to figure out this mental trick that my mind is doing, showing me and bringing back this birthday party because it's like that's the only one that I can remember. So are you trying to remind me that I had a birthday party? Or are you trying to remind me that this is the only time I was celebrated? Again, until you open up to yourself, until you understand this is what it is. You're going to be that way. And in and, and having that idea of, damn, I have a mental disorder or a mental disease or however you want to, well, it's classified as a disease. So me rationalize that I have a, a mental disease kicked me into anger. It kicked me into anger because I have no, like, I have no understanding of depression. I have no understanding of anxiety until I look into it, until I now am experiencing it. And that's not how it should be. I keep telling y'all, rest a soul. My uncle suffered strong mental health issues. My auntie, strong mental health issues. And even then, there was no family meeting or there was no, hey, you know, your auntie is schizophrenic. Hey, your uncle is bipolar, schizophrenic, whatever. There was no conversation about that. We knew what, we, we knew what they had. That was it. Everything was a workaround. Hey, make sure you don't say this or do this to trigger your aunt. Um, my, my uncle, he just would just go sit somewhere in a room. He would talk every now and then to us like in as a group and we would just laugh because it's like as kids, we would laugh at him because it was always something random, always something like, like big D get up out of here. Right. But in reality, 
we all should have been sat down like, hey, this is a possibility this could happen to everybody. See, both of my aunt and my uncle ended up being on drugs, right? So everybody accounted their mental state to drugs. No one, like, at least openly, no one tried to get to the root of, hey, something's wrong with you for real and it's not drugs. But again, in their time, once they found drugs in you, the other stuff don't matter. But as a family, there should be conversations about mental health, especially if somebody is like, and my uncle was on my dad's side, my aunt is on, on my mom's side. And neither side of the family, like I don't recall a meeting of just understanding and, and explaining like what this is. So when I got diagnosed with depression, talked to the kids, hey, this was going on. It's more than sadness, it's mood swings, it's, it's uh, uh, changes in weight, it's changing in features, stuff like that. That's, far, that's all I know. I left it there because I was still defensive, I was still in denial. Like, not me. Not I, 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 I like, not, what? So now I'm mad because it, it's, the, it's my reality. Now I'm upset because I'm hurt. Now I'm upset because now everybody going to look at me a certain way. I'm already, I'm already struggling as a single parent. I'm already struggling because my baby just died. I'm already struggling because my other baby, you know, I haven't seen. I'm already struggling because his job is fucking me up. I'm already struggling dealing with things uh, of my past and relationships and uh, uh, arguments and misunderstandings and in understandings and feeling like, dang, that's how you really feel. Like I'm already struggling with all that. So now I'm pissed because my kids going to think I'm weak because my mind is going because they think I'm not as sharp. And so now I'm, I'm just telling you real time. So now at the beginning, now I'm angry and I'm now a bully because I feel like you think that I'm weak. So now I got to give you all of my understanding so you know that, you know, I'm still sharp. No, that ain't their problem. That's my problem. And I'm going through it in, in realizing that a lot of us get to this stage of anger and we push it outwardly. Because we're embarrassed, because we're hurt, because, again, we don't want to be seen in this light, but it's here and, and shining bright on us, bro. Sis, ma'am, sir. So are you going to leave the are you going to stay mad and leave the shoot twisted while you're falling from 30,000 feet? Are you going to open up and let whatever is supposed to be there, be there? One of the benefits of isolation is seeing who really wants to be a part of you. That's one of the most beautiful things for me in isolation is I don't have to guess who fuck with me for real. I don't have to guess who sees me weird or whatever. I don't have to guess. 
everybody who is meant to be a part of me right now while I'm fighting this journey through depression and anxiety is with me. Because when I pull it back, like, hey, I'm not like I'm not OK, I'm chilling, whatever. When I started seeing people be disrespectful and not understand boundaries and I'm pulling back it's certain people, I was like, hey, where are you going? What you like? What you, what you think this is? Yeah, all right, I get it. But where where are you going? I accept those people because it's not overbearing. It's not. Um, it's not always like I gotta call you every single day and it be something deep. It's just a matter of hey, all right now. And I'll respond like, nah, I'm good. Just going through it. All right, like DW. Favorite thing is. All right, nigga, tap in, though. <laughs> I'll be, hey, y'all, uh, you know, this, this, all right, tap in, though. That's his favorite thing. So when you, when, when you were in isolation and your eyes are open and you're, you're trying to heal, you start, like, you, you calm down a little bit because you do see that there are some people that are going to not truly know what you're going through verbatim, but they're going to jump in that fire with you to at least pull you to safety. And it's not going to be a crossing of boundaries. It's going to be like, it's going to be a genuine ask. It's going to be a genuine comfort. It's going to be a, a genuine acceptance of, hey, I know you feel like this is the worst, but I can't let you sit here. Like you can feel how you feel, but like you got to get out of the fire. You have to. And so anger puts you in that in that position of. I hate everything. I could be so much more. But I'm fighting with this constantly. I'm fighting. I'm, I'm fighting my mental constantly. I'm, I'm having these panic attacks. I can't sleep. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm sleeping too much. I'm eating too little. I'm eating too much. Like I, I, it's so much going on. And I get it. But you got to get out the fire, bro. You cannot do what you need to do sitting in that fire. And so in isolation, you're able to see who's willing to pull you out. You have to see. Sometimes, you know, I, I have a guy that he'll sit in the fire with me. Like, all right, what are we doing? Like, nah, you don't. Bro, it's all, what are we doing? Because you can't sit here. But I'm going to sit here with you because this is what we have to do. So then from anger and aggression comes bargaining. And what bargaining looked like for me is that I'm crying to the universe like, yo, why you take my baby? Whoever that is, you can come downstairs. I, I, I can hear the stairs creaking. Just don't talk. Um, from anger, I became to bargaining. And bargaining for me was Take me and give my daughter back. Give me my get reconnect, like take me and reconnect my oldest daughter with her brothers. Because for me, it's about it, it, it's about them connecting. 
I'm gonna get old and die. They they all, you know, two years apart. God willing, you know, they all grow old and, you know, the five of them, they all grow old together. So I'm bargaining, yo, take me. Like I don't I don't need to be here. Like, you know, at that point when 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 Kennedy passed, I'll be 40, so I was 36, 37. But I had not seen Imani years before that. So once it started hitting me that I'm going through this emotional spiral downwardly, my bargain was take me. My bar, I'm, the un, I'm asking for a miracle. Give me, you know, give me another child so my kids could be all right. They never got a chance to be a big brother to, to their sisters. My youngest son right now, he yearns so bad just to be a big brother, not for nothing, but just to be protective over something. So that's why in my mind, I'm like, yo, give them each other, take me away. I've done enough that they'll understand what needs to be done to be together. But again, that puts me back in denial because in my mind, ain't no way me, Kevin, the father that I am, don't see my older daughter or my oldest daughter and my youngest daughter die. I tell y'all it's, it's, it's bigger than than whatever it is. And this is why this hurts so much. I love my sons. I love them to no end. Before I had kids, I wanted all daughters. I wanted all daughters. The universe gave me four sons back to back to back to back. And I don't think I've missed much of their lives. The thing that I wanted the most, I have missed the most. I couldn't wait to be a girl dad. And do the tea parties and do the, the you know, her messing with my hair. I had long hair at the time of uh, painting the nails or doing whatever, or just being whatever, whatever they wanted me to be as their dad. And so denial kicks back in, like, how do the person that wanted all daughters, I was prepared, bro, like, uh, uh, I, I knew how to do hair, right? I knew how to sew. I could cook for them. Even when, you know, uh, my daughter's mom is like, you know, she got to eat everything organic and stuff. I'm coming from poverty. I'm coming from, from the hood. So now I got to make the shift. If she got to have organic food, we got to do this. We got to make the food from scratch. Like, uh, I'm, I, I had to adjust to not seeing her. The thing that I wanted the most, one I don't see, I don't even know where she is at this point. The other one has passed away. So now I'm back in denial. Not me. Not This can't be life. And so I bargain. Whatever the situation is, take me, put them together.
But that's a dark thought that I'm willing to say, take my life because that is the one thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt that will bring my kids together, that will allow my kids to see their sister, that would allow uh, uh, my sons, they're all my kids, that would allow my sons to see their sister, that would allow my daughter to see her brothers. Death is the one thing that will guarantee that. And so I bargain. Takes me back to denial because I can't go through this. I bargain with my emotions. I hide behind, um, you know, being whorish. Like I don't want a healthy relationship. I'm just scared. Every relationship that I'm in, it's always something. It's, all, it's, it's never a want to be in relationship. It's a need, right? Whereas I'm wanting to be with you. I'm, I'm doing this stuff because I want to do it. I'm, I'm being a part of you because I want to do it. Whereas the reciprocation is a need. When I fulfill that need, you dip, you act different. And then when I recognize you're acting different and, you know, I behave in a way that is unbecoming, I'm the problem. Because I let you do me what I let you do me how you do in secret, but you push mine in the open. And now it's the court of opinion. And now it's like, I can't. No. So I don't trust relationships no more. I don't trust that there is a bond of friendship. My brother asked me maybe if a month ago, like, do I feel like, um, I'll be in another for real because he know when our relationship, our relationship. And I was like, no, I don't think so. My trust is my trust is gone. I don't want to say never, but if it's up to me, I'm just going to be a whore for like I'm I'm a ride into the sunset on some whore shit. But do I really want to do that? Or is that a defense that I'm putting up because I don't want to be hurt? Like I'm healing right now and I don't need no I don't need to let my guard down to feel like I'm fully protected and don't be. And so I bargain. Because my ultimate goal at the end of the day is happiness for everybody. And the way that it seems to work in relationships, they'll be happy if I'm not here. So I bargain. Take me. My kids will be together. I, I, listen, they'll be together. And then I trip because it's like, do you mean that? I be talking like, like when I be having these thoughts, and I think this is one of the funniest things about me. And it's one of the funniest things about me when it's danger when it's chaos, when it's anything that I should be really on some fearful type stuff. I'll stop and be like, bro, you really wild because you really don't be caring for real. Like, I know pain exists, so I'm not sitting here and I'm not trying to say like, oh, come shoot me up or come like, I'm not saying none of that. But I be thinking some things. And I be having some and I be rationalizing certain things that I know for a fact that people will look at and be like, yo, you wildin'. But I have a certain level of control over what be going on. 
right? Because I'm like, my my catch all of not doing anything is I got kids. And I got to get back to them. So how am I going to do that? And it's a matter of can I can I word myself out of this situation or do I have to really be on some I'll kill everybody type stuff? And I'll go back and be like, bro, what the fuck were you thinking? Why would you why why would you say that out loud? But it's like that was my thought. And then boom, I'm uh my relationship gets better with twin. Even though we beef right now. Because now I realize you just be saying your first thought. And maybe you have the same issue as me where you go back like, yo, that was wild. I shouldn't have said that. Whew. Thank God he didn't respond how I thought he would respond if he took it that way. But it's understanding now. Because you got to deal with that. You have to figure out if that's where you want to go mentally. I'm not going to let you disrespect me and, and, and talk crazy to me in general, but I'm also not going to react in a way to make you talk more crazy. Because again, my my goal is to de-escalate any situation that I'm in, any argument, any disagreement that I'm in that I'm able to leave and nobody is dead on both sides, the way the world is right now. That's a win. That's a win. And so after I after I bargain and I realize that the reality of what I'm asking for is dumb. Right. Take me like, no, fucking take me. What are you talking about? Once I realize that acceptance kicks in. And acceptance is very, very, very hard to deal with. Because it strips away. Bravado, it strips away ego, it strips away everything that you thought that you were. Everything that you think that you are, and it forces you to understand the reality of who you are and understand that you aren't untouchable and understand that you are not like your life is not exempt from tragedy, from hurt, from pain. And that's where you start dealing with everything at. That's in acceptance is where the journey truly begins because then it's it's an overflow of pain, it's an overflow of happiness. You're reconciling mentally um, relationships that you are willing to recreate. Um, you're reconciling um, relationships that you know have is no fruit there. You're reconciling all these different things while being hit with these memories um, of things, of times, of people that may have hurt you or that may have changed the trajectory of your life by simply not listening. I said that before, like sometimes the worst thing that you can do to somebody going through anything is just not listen. We didn't have these avenues that we have now. Um to make it socially accepted um, 
of having mental health issues, of, of saying it out loud. Um, this is why I get frustrated when I see uh, celebrities mental health us to death with no, with no plan. Okay, therapy, cool. Because where I'm sitting in my acceptance, therapy is not, solely therapy is not going to help. Taking medicine solely is not going to help. Meditate is not going to help. Because this is mind, body, and soul. There's, a, there's something physical happen, happening to your brain. How do you strengthen your brain muscle? I'm sitting here worried about, you know, getting on the bike and riding a bike. I'm sitting here worried about, you know, doing the punching bag. Like, I got the bike and the punching bag and the weight machine in the, in, in the garage. I have it right there, but what about my mind? How do I strengthen that? What do I do there? You don't get to a solution without acceptance. And I know acceptance is so hard when you feel like you are, you know, the cream of the crop of everything that you do. And you can still be that, but you have to be aware and understanding of what you are going through so that you can be the best version of you. It took acceptance for me to get there. It's sometimes unbearable. And I think that, you know, uh, when you have those those dark moments of gloominess, when you have those moments where you can't get out of bed, you have those moments where you can't communicate with people, you can't, you know, communicate, you know, with with anyone inside or outside of your house. And 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 it, it gets excruciating. You know that you're in acceptance. Because now everything is stripped down. It's just you but naked in the middle of a field, having to figure out which way to go, at what time to go, at what pace to go. And it's scary. It's scary. It's something that I don't wish on anybody. It's something that I encourage anybody who has to go through this to uh, uh, to take the steps to understand what's going on. Like I said, whatever your diagnosis is, start studying up on it. Not just YouTube. Like don't don't. Like and it's and it's no offense to anybody on YouTube that you know uh, talks about mental health or whatever, but read a few articles. Get you you know some science books. Do that for yourself. I'm learning, you know, three years. Three years after the full onset of my depression and anxiety, I'm learning. I'm learning that. So I want to give that to you guys, especially if you guys are just newly, you know, kind of figuring out that you have some type of men, uh, mental health issues. The moment a doctor tells you or whoever tells you that you have whatever th whatever thing it is. I encourage you to go get you a book on said thing and start getting your own understanding of it so that you can move in a way that is healthy for you. I didn't know my brain was transforming. I didn't know that there is a strong possibility that if a person with extreme depression, anxiety, whatever, 
right? If they get to a point to where they have beat the disease, there is a high possibility that a lot of their memories won't be restored. That fucked with me. I can't imagine forgetting that Kennedy was and wasn't. I can't imagine forgetting my kids in general. I can't imagine forgetting the memories I have with my brothers, with my parents. I can't imagine forgetting like the idea that there is a chance because it'd be stuff that I'd be talking about right now and my memory my memory is not it's not top notch. And I'm 40. And I'm looking to heal. And in looking to heal, everything is pushed up on me. Like, for lack of words, this is what it feels like for me as a result to being in my depressive state and then everything just hitting. Um, I think it was Iron Man 1. I think it was Iron Man 1. And he was selling... He was selling some type of weapon or whatever. And I remember in the the movie, he did something with his watch. He turned around and he opened his arms. And then hella missiles came out of this machine. Like, it was crazy um, how many, you know, missiles had come out. And so that's how it is for me. I'm just standing there with my hands out like, yo, like, help. I'm standing there with my hands out trying to figure out what's going on. I'm standing there with my hands out. Like, accept, that's what acceptance looks like. Having your hands out and let everything that's attacking you, letting everything that's creating confusion, letting everything out. I'll rather deal with everything. Um, I'll rather be getting jumped and figure out my opponent one by one until I figured it all out and then now I've eliminated each of the things rather than one thing hit me and I got to wait and I'm fighting, I'm giving my all, right? Because if I only see one thing, you're going to like, I'm going to give you my all every time. Not realizing that as soon as this is finished, this is coming. And as soon as uh, as that's finished, that's coming. So I'd rather be where I'm at now in acceptance and everything is hitting me. But while this is hitting me, I'm hitting that back. While that's hitting me, I'm hitting that back. I don't have to wait. I see what y'all doing. I see what's happening. I see how the universe is trying to attack me every which way. And though it's very, very hard to be in a space of acceptance and allow everything to to come at me how it does. My hopes is that there are going to be a point to where I can eliminate these traumatic things. I can gain an understanding. And and like I said, accountability. But like as a kid, the accountability ain't on me. So I have to rationalize that part like, yo, people are who they are. The things that happened to you as a kid, um, you know, people are who they are. 
can't change them. I can't go back. I have to, I have to just get understanding and I have to uh, uh, reconcile my hurt about it. But I, I can't, I can no longer do it one by one. When, 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 um, when Kennedy passed and I crossed that threshold of being okay to, all right, this one is going to kill you. So now I have to let you see what it is. Because it's like a damn, all the trauma, all the pain, good trauma, bad trauma, all of it was was sitting right there, but it was starting to overflow, and it was going it was going to crack something that it shouldn't have, and lead me on a way to where I was never going to understand what was happening. I often say Kennedy left me time, but she left me so much more. That experience with with her, it set me on a path that I never would have been on without this experience. It doesn't change the fact that I want my baby back. But the accepting part is that she's not coming back, so I have to deal with that pain and eat it as it comes. But I get to look at things that that experience triggered in a positive way, too. I wasn't trying to figure out if I was depressed. I was believing that I was just sad. I was just believing I was mad because I was broke. I was believing I was mad because, you know, I can't buy my kids stuff every single week, every single month. Like, I'm thinking I'm just sad because that's what it is. People be like, oh, ain't nothing wrong with you. You just don't got no money. Ain't nothing wrong with you. you, you you're just hungry. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You're just this or you're just that. And in reality, something really be wrong. But we don't, we, we so caught up in not me. We get so caught up in that, and I hope as hard as it is, as difficult as it is for me to process sometimes, I pray that the last time that I started over this five stages was the last time. I hope that I am in this acceptance space for a long for a long while until I'm able to heal a bit more, until I'm able to feel uh, a deal with trust issues, deal with companionship, deal with parental things. Until I'm able to deal with that a little bit better and have a more open mind about it, I, I, I hope that I'm able to stay in this space because right now I'm against everything. Like anything that was any anything that involves me giving an extra mile, I'm I'm off it. I'm I have no more miles to give. You have to come get me. I've done all the chasing and women that I'ma do. If if we not on horror shit, like I'm sorry. I'm very open. Hey, I'm healing myself right now. I am doing I am taking the steps to heal me. I don't want to involve you if you don't want to be involved. So this is what it is. I'm very open and, and honest about that. It's about understanding what you are going through for yourself. Again, I will say it in two, I'm blue in the face. There is a proper way to isolate, especially in situations like this. And it's very important that you do so. If nothing else, but to come up with a plan of action of how you feel so that when you um, when you get out of isolation and you start to reach out or people start to reach out to you that you trust, you have a plan of action. Of how you're going to heal, like what does healing look like to you? 
Like, what steps are you willing to take to heal? I asked you guys a couple of weeks ago, like, yo, like, what, like, what do y'all do? How do y'all get through it? It's difficult for me. My hardest part is the, the mental part of it, just being in acceptance. Because things get compounded and you're like, wait, I, there's no way I survived all of this. There's no way I've even gone through all of this. There's no way that I've been in this situation, that situation, and been observant and got hit with the same thing three times. I feel like in all of my my relationships, I get I got hit with the with the uh, Hakeem uh, shoulder fake each time. I was there. What am I doing? I saw it. Wait, stay. Wait, no, get away. But those thoughts of what other people would think, societal standards. You got to do this to look away. You're this age. You got to do that. Yada yada, whatever. Lessons learned through uh, lessons learned through living is everlasting. Lessons taught to you through fear, through uh, ego, through power, will always dwindle away. When people teach you from those aspects, it's it's typically from a perspective that they have gained through their experience. I have to go through life and I have to um, challenge those things that were said, those things that were done. I, I have to challenge those with my actual experiences in life. A lot of times, whatever the advice was, a lot of times, you know, it, it kind of sticks. But more times it don't. It don't fit with the life that you live. It don't fit with the life uh, where the world is, it just it just doesn't fit. And we have to be okay with seeing that. That itself, that in itself creates another conflict because a lot of us feel like uh, we have to listen to what the elders said and what they continue to say versus what you actually seeing with your real eyes. And that in itself is a form of slavery. And we have to break that. We have to understand our vision, our journey, our actions are valid. We are living the life. We cannot keep on letting someone coach us who is not living the life. They're not living my life. So that's why I said therapy is important. But it's important that it's someone who has a foundational uh, a common ground, a foundation with you. Because it's so much that's it's so much that's going on in our minds. It's so much that um, happened that we just just do without any understanding of why. And that in itself leads us into this place of darkness. Understand that the light does not ask darkness to shine. It just shines. And you are the light of your life. So just shine. Yo, yo, 
Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to infinitelycomplex.com. We started our Black Friday sale on the 21st, and it'll be going on until the 25th, uh, 35% off. Uh, There's... I'll put the the code in the by or in the description. Also, remember anything purchased in the month of October, we will be donating twenty percent of sales to uh, the March of Dimes for Stillborn Awareness Research. Um, again, infinitelycomplex.com. Don't forget, King's Collective is available now on my site. Um, Second Power is available now on my site. Go check it out. Support in any way that you can. Um, Like I always tell you guys, no matter if it's financial support, no matter if you're liking, commenting, sharing, um, I appreciate you all the same. So, again, if you want to donate to the podcast in any kind of way, um, there's a tip jar on Good Pods and there's a tip jar on Poetic Properties Twitter page. Go over there, donate if you will. If you don't, I still love you all the same because for me, it's about um, it's about helping. It's about making sure that we all good. So share it, like it, comment. Again, thank you all. It's all love. Peace.